Hi, I'm Guy Powell, and welcome to the next episode of The Backstory on the Shroud of Turin. If you haven't already done so, please visit guypowell.com and sign up for more episodes. I am the author of the upcoming book, The Only Witness, a historical fiction tracing a possible history of the Shroud of Turin over the last two millennia. Today, we'll be speaking with Matt Collins. He's a Christian apologist and a student of the Shroud. We'll be talking about Christian apologetics and how it relates to the Shroud of Turin and how Matt has now started up a whole new ministry around that. Matt, welcome. Guy, I want to tell you that I'm thrilled to be on your podcast. You've had some, what I consider people that are rock stars in the field of uh, Shroud research. You've had Barry Schwartz, who was a member of STIRP. He's he's very very famous Shroudy. Uh, you've had Russ Brealt, you've had uh, Joe Marino, who's been uh, probably the leading researcher on the the issue of the the carbon fourteen testing. So I'm I'm thrilled to be included in that group. Thanks for the invite. Well, absolutely, and uh, you know, and you uh, impressed me so much uh, when you were talking about the project that you're working on, and I don't want to steal your thunder, so I won't tell uh, what's going on. But uh, Russ Briault, uh, he is, as you mentioned, one of the top researchers and top knowledgeable people on the Shroud, and a great speaker, and and uh, and he's the one that introduced us, and really appreciate that from Russ. And so you definitely will fit in. And as we're talking, when we're talking about the Shroud and then the project that you're working on and this new topic of, uh, new to me anyway, of uh, the topic of Christian apologetics, I think it'll be fantastic. So, uh, well, let me, uh, let, me, uh, let me break from there and let me tell you uh, the folks a little bit more about yourself. You're a native of Georgia for the last uh, 50 plus years. Uh, you've got a a BBA from the University of Georgia. Loved the Bulldogs. Both of my kids went there. Okay. Yours was in uh, entrepreneurship, so go dogs. Uh, you've worked in a handful of fields, into, including hospital administration, financial consulting. And then lastly, and without stealing your thunder, you have just made a, uh, a very big investment in the study of the Shroud, and I, I have to commend you for that. And of, of course, you're a member of the Trinity Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. So with that, uh, welcome. And uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your backstory on how you got involved in the Shroud of Turin? Well, you know, like a lot of people, I, I, I don't remember exactly the first time I heard about the Shroud of Turin. It would have been a television show back in the 80s. And the first time that, that I was ever exposed to uh, the Shroud, I was fascinated by it. So I was an immediate Shroudy from the beginning. And for the audience's benefit, let's define what a shroudy is. A shroudy is a, a person who is uh, fascinated with and who has, who believes there's a high probability that the Shroud of Turin is the authentic uh, death garment of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I've always kind of uh, believed that it was um, an authentic Christian artifact and that interest has grown over the years. And so it's really just in the last year or two, um, God, I would say, you know, the answer is, well, how did you get to this point? I would say that, that God put me up to it. And he put the idea in my head to, to create a, a 3D, a sculpture of Jesus Christ from the Shroud of Turin. 
And so that's what we've been able to do is take uh, an extracted image from the Shroud of Turin. And we can get into that a little bit more detail later in the conversation. But um, I headed up an artistic team here in Atlanta, Georgia, and we created a life-size sculpture of Jesus. There are only two that are similar in the world. Those two would be in Turin, Italy. But in the United States of America, we have uh, just created recently, just finished it recently, a, a sculpture, a 5'11 sculpture of Jesus that is absolutely uh, stunning. He's, yeah. He's it, stunning. It, so it's, it's what he looked like in real life. Uh, definitely. And uh, and I, I was incredibly impressed. I've seen a couple of your videos on it. And uh, it is uh, really amazing. So, um, so what have you learned now that you've put this sculpture together? What kind of uh, interesting things have you learned about Jesus, of course, and his death and resurrection and, and just generally? Well, I think that um, in showing the few people that have seen the sculpture, it's done exactly what I'd hoped. It's, um, it's in your face. Uh, it tells the story of, of, of what happened to Jesus, what, what they did to him. And, and what he did for us. And there's no way of getting around what happened 2,000 years ago. And that is that he was um, brutally executed. And the sculpture shows that. And it also shows the beauty of the man because he was an absolutely, um, he was a stunning figure. And we know exactly through the sculpture, we, we were able to, to know through the, through the Shroud of Turin image, we're able to know exactly what he looked like. And um, it's, it's, he's breathtaking. Yeah, and, the, uh, and, and I will admit that the, there's, there's a couple of things that come out. First of all, I, I agree with you, it is breathtaking. And second of all, that that image is able to be found through the study of the Shroud and the 3D image that kind of comes off of this 2D piece of cloth. So, and then so, to be able to turn that into an actual uh, body. Sorry to interrupt, but but what they what they were able to do back in the '70s, they used a piece of NASA technology. Uh, it's called a, a a VP8 analyzer. It's really just an analog computer, and you feed an image into that computer, and NASA used it to predict what the image, uh, what the what the surface of the Moon and Mars were going to look like, and. If you or I were to insert a photograph of ourselves into that computer, it would come out a, a lot of a lot of nothing, basically. Um, if you feed the image, a picture of the Shroud of Turin, into the, the analyzer, uh, it comes out uh, a perfect three D image, so to speak, of of what Jesus looked like, which is just kind of crazy in itself. Uh, people have known for a long time that the image on the shroud is 3D. It has a, a lot of people, maybe lay people don't know that there's a, a front and a back to the shroud. You know, the shroud is a 14 foot long piece of linen cloth. It's three and a half feet wide. It wrapped his body. But um, after the resurrection, immediately after the resurrection, it left a, an image, a full body image, front and back. It's, it's, it's three dimensional. And the, the VP8 um, analyzer was able to, to take that image and turn it into something that a sculptor could create a sculpture out of because each 
and every sculptor in the, in the world uses a picture to create a sculpture. You don't, you don't sit for a bust. They use pictures. And so we took the, uh, they in Italy, the researchers were able to create um, a sculpture. They have actually about two of them in, in Turin. And what I was able to do was hire a fantastic team here in Atlanta. Uh, I, I gave them the images that I wanted to work off of and we fused essentially the two that are that are in Turin and we we made it better. Honestly, I, I believe I'm biased, of course, but I believe we have the uh, the most accurate image of Jesus Christ ever created and um, here. And my goal is to is to get as many people's eyes on it as possible. That's the, that's the goal of my ministry. I hope ultimately also by doing that, that I'm hope I'm going to help um, somebody get to heaven by, by seeing it. If it's just one person, then uh, I'll consider that a home run. Yeah, absolutely. Can't can't disagree with uh, with any of that. So, did you have then a a VP8 image of the whole body, or did you have the face, or how did you how did you uh, put all that together? The the two sculptures that were created mm. in that are in museums in Italy, and that really was enough to to do what we did. When I say we, I'm talking about my artistic team, which I headed up. Mm -hmm. and gave them direction. I'm not a sculptor myself. So what I did was hired the best sculptor that, that money could buy, who happens to be based here in Atlanta. His name is Martin Dow. Uh, his studio is called Cherry Lion Studios. He did the uh, Martin Luther King sculpture that's at the, at the Gold Dome at the Georgia State Capitol. And he's magnificent. He was so, um, he, he was so easy to work with. And, and Marty is just a just an incredible artist, but honestly, they couldn't have done it with, without me. Not that just solely the fact that I funded it, but they couldn't have done it without a bunch of direction. And so I gave them the direction that they needed and they, they hit a home run with it. Guys, it, they were, they just did a magnificent job. Yeah, I'm so uh, excited about uh, being able to see it here. And, uh, and, and, and as a matter of fact, uh, prior to this, the starting of this interview, we were talking about a follow-on interview where we actually go on site and uh, and and look at and film and talk to you and and go through all of the details that are on the on on this sculpture of the body of, of Jesus Christ. So tell us some of the marks that that are on the body that you put onto the end of the sculpture. Well, the 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 ones that are that are, you know, the eye poppers are going to be the marks on his arms and legs where the um, where the scourge happened, where they ripped his skin off, essentially with hooks, um, which is a, a you know basically a whip with hooks on it, um, and I actually have a replica of, of of one of those, and so my my exhibit, and that's what it is. It's it's a you could I haven't really decided whether it's going to where I'm going to call it a shroud exhibit or a passion exhibit it's both of those things and so i have the sculpture but i also have replicas of of the shroud itself you know the linen replicas but other items like um the roman flagrum which we just alluded to i've got um 
I've got a leather pouch with 30 pieces of, um, of silver that's obviously passion related. I'm working on um, a cap of thorns because obviously if you look at the stains on the shroud, the blood stains, it wasn't a crown of thorns. It was um, a cap or a helmet of thorns. And we're working on that. And we've got some other items in there of interest that I think people will be excited to see. And I think it will be something that is very moving to a lot of people. Yeah, and uh, and I like the uh, that you have a handful of other pieces that go with it. So uh, upcoming, the cap of thorns or crown of thorns, you've got then the flagrum. And uh, I really like your point about the 30 pieces of silver that that is uh, that's just phenomenal. That's uh, that's a really good set of things that go around the whole passion of Jesus. And so uh, that's uh, that's pretty good. I felt like the, the more things that we had for the exhibit, the better. The idea of the exhibit is, is to be mobile. So mm. I actually drive around in my station wagon with the body of, of Christ, with the son of man in my car. And it's, uh, it's really a, uh, obviously an honor, but the idea that I had that I came up with is to, is to have a mobile exhibit that can be left uh, at a church or really some other places as well, museums, that uh, they could maybe keep it for a week or two weeks or however long they wanted to keep it and get as many people there as possible. As far as me being a speaker, I'm, I'm no Russ Brealt, who Russ is, is my friend and, and mentor and um, lives in Georgia, and, but he gets you know, he gets called all over the United States and, and other places, even the, the, the Bible Museum in, in Washington, D.C. He is one of the leading experts in the world on the Shroud of Turin. But, and there are quite a few people that are experts on the Shroud and do speak at churches and other places. But where I've broken new ground, so to speak, is the fact that um, I've got the sculpture. I've got the body. And nobody else um, has, I guess you could say, thought of that. Um, but I think that people are visual and the shroud itself, the image on the shroud on the cloth is very faint. And there's a lot of noise in there. When I say noise, I'm talking about, um, you know, burns, marks from the three fires that have happened over the years. And um, it's just, it's, it's not easy to see the, the image of, of Christ on the actual shroud, uh, but it's really easy to, to look at the sculpture. Mm -hmm. and, and it's it's there's no way around the 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 factual things that happen to Christ when you see the sculpture. And I want to get as many people in the southeast because again I'm mobile, but it, uh, I'm really just thinking in terms of the states and Georgia and the states around us. And um, I'm willing to go anywhere that that uh, a pastor or a, a board of trustees yeah. want me. Yeah. And, um, and speak if they want me to speak. But as, in terms of the mobile exhibit, I don't actually have to speak. They could keep the exhibit themselves and, and you know, it just depends. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the other thing that you have on the, on the, on the body, on the sculpture is the, the scars. And I, I, you know, even in my book, 
you know, when you think about Apostle Thomas saying, I won't believe unless I can stick my fingers in the, in the wounds. And then Jesus, of course, responds with the uh, blessed are those that, that believe and do not see. And uh, so tell us about the, the scars in addition to the one in his chest. Tell us about some of those, you're, some you're of the things there you've done. Pointing about um, Christian apologetics. And I consider myself a, a Christian apologist. I've always loved that particular field and because it's interesting. And when, I, I want to stress, that, you, know, you know, the quote you, you made about uh, that Jesus said to uh, Thomas, he said that, um, that people that, that don't need proof are blessed, but he didn't say that people that need proof are not blessed. Hmm. And if you take a look at, at some of the things that, that Paul and Peter and uh, said, and is that we need to be good at defending our faith. And because not everybody is going to have that, that kind of um, belief without seeing strength of faith. So, and we all know people that are sitting on the fence and um, need some extra boosters to their faith. And a lot of that is visual. Certainly it was with Thomas. He said, I wanna see it. I wanna stick my finger in it. And we're talking of course about the gaping hole in his chest, which we of course illustrate very nicely on the, on the sculpture where his heart was pierced and um, by the Roman soldier with a spear. And um, I think that apologetics is important. We talked earlier about C.S. Lewis. I love C.S. Lewis. Mere Christianity is a book that everybody should read. It's, it's kind of like the Bible of Christian apologetics. But we should all be better at defending the faith because that's where we get into the Great Commission and being able to to go out and have our lips moving about our faith. We have to, if we're not talking about our faith, then we're not doing enough. Mm. Well, and uh, you know, one thing where I have some trouble with uh, uh, apologetics versus Christian apologetics versus Christianity, to me, uh, and I know they're different or they should be maybe treated differently, but to me, they're almost the same because if I'm a Christian, to your point, I should be going out there and defending the faith, and I should be evangelizing and, and trying to win more people to the faith. And uh, whereas a Christian apologetics is maybe slightly different from that. And so tell us how you see the, the difference or, or not there. Great point, Guy. And what you're asking is a question I don't hear asked very often, and it should be asked. Well, what is the difference between Christian apologetics and evangelism? And the answer is, is very, very little. Because if, uh, if you're a Christian apologist, then you're going to get up and verbalize some different elements of what we consider to be proof. Okay, that's what um, secular people or atheists are always asking for. Show me the proof. Tell me, about, show me some proof. Talk about the proof. Well, that's when you get into a Christian, Christian apologetics. But anytime you delve off into your own personal faith in a discussion like that, in a conversation like that, then you've moved over into evangelism. Hmm. And so back and forth, back and forth. And if you're, and if you're talking about your faith and then you get into, if the conversation goes into anything that is considered an element of proof, then you're into apologetics. 
So there's very little, um, it's, it's a, you're splitting hairs almost in the two. And a lot of people don't, don't know that, don't think about that. And I think a lot of people are turned off in some ways by apologetics. They think that it's uh, arguing maybe. And certainly people are turned off by the word um, Christian evangelist or evangelical. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people that are secular or a lot of people that are in the, that aren't secular, that are, that are Christians uh, run from that word. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and, uh, um, and even run from the not word. A good, proselytizing. Not a good thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're, we're expected to, to share our faith. And yeah. doing that, you're, you're being evangelical, evangelical, whichever way you want to say it. Yeah. Well, we had a, uh, my, uh, one of my pastors at our church and as a Methodist, we had a lot of changes in pastors and, uh, one of them, uh, Jonathan Holston, he, he was, he was just uh, phenomenal, but at, at the benediction, he would say, go out and be the best image of Christianity that you can be. And, uh, and I always thought of that as being, you know, you can show yourself as a Christian, you can act as a Christian and through that you are evangelizing. Uh, without necessarily, you know, trying to aggressively trying to convert somebody, you are, uh, you know, somewhat, maybe not, uh, certainly a little bit actively, certainly very passively, but you are showing what a Christian, you know, actually looks like and what the image of a Christian could be. And by doing that, showing them the best image or the best picture of what a Christian can be to then, you know, help to uh, win people to the faith. And I like your point, too, about the Christians that might be on the on the fence, or the I guess the non-Christians or the secular ones that are kind of on the fence, they fall off one way or they fall off another way, depending on different circumstances. And I think then, uh, you know, that's that uh, that apologetics might be able to help uh, evangelism, maybe, maybe not, but then being the best picture of a uh, of a Christian can certainly also support all of that. I think lips that are moving are very important. And yeah, you can show people with your actions, but but lips moving are critical. My friend, Dr. Mark Anthony is always telling us that that he wants us to go out and 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 be talkative to, to, to people in the community and sharing our faith verbally and I think that that it's that it's critical to do that. There are some churches that are that are more about well, go and invite people and bring them in, and we'll we'll do the talking. Um, I think it's better for us to do the talking, and I go to a church that believes that, and I, I think that it's very very important for us to be out there and be able to defend our faith and explain our faith and also show them. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you got into Christian apologetics. Tell us about uh, how you got into that. What's been your backstory on Christian apologetics and some of the people that you've been uh, talking with and learning from? You know, the, the guy that I, um, the Christian apologist that I think is probably the most famous in the United States would be Dr. Frank Turek. I, I use a lot of his content for study and have been doing so for uh, close to 10 years, maybe. You know, I've, the only Christian class that I've taken is from Dr. Gary uh, Habermas, who is considered, he's, he's at Liberty University, and he's considered the leading expert, scholarly uh, 
expert, and that usually means a Christian uh, professor, but his, his specialty is the resurrection. And so he's written, of course, a ton of books and, uh, and Gary uh, is just a phenomenal teacher. So I took his class on the resurrection because, because of what I'm doing and, and starting a ministry, I certainly wanted to have at least some academic background. You know, I've got a, I've got a BBA from UGA and that's, that's that has nothing to do with, with religion, but, um, but I do love to study our faith and try to get, get better at explaining. That's the whole point of it for me is to be able to be more knowledgeable and to provide more clarity to people about the factual stuff that happened in our faith over the last 2000 years. I mean, Jesus came down to this earth and honestly, for 2000 years, people haven't been able to quit talking about him. Um, He's he's the most fascinating and uh, and most controversial person that's ever walked the earth. Christian apologetics is is controversial. The Shroud, honestly, guy is very controversial. We need to talk about that for a minute. Um, I don't mind um, talking about subjects that are controversial, and the Shroud in particular can get people. I think pastors in particular shy away from the subject and it's um i'd like to do something about that it, one other goal that i have in my ministry is to not only shed some light on more light on the shroud and the facts behind it but also open it up to a new generation because i, I believe that the younger generation knows pretty much nothing about the shroud believe it or not you know millions and millions of people know about the shroud and are shroudies uh so to speak but the younger crowd, I don't think they, I don't think they do know much about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. And I think, uh, yeah. And I, that, and I think that'd be, uh, you know, really good for the, 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 you know, for, for all of our ministries as being shroudies is to, is to bring uh, the shroud. And I, I do like your point that, you know, Jesus did say, blessed are those who, who do not see and believe, but I, he also did not say, uh that they're not blessed if you see and then believe so uh and that's maybe what the shroud can help to do to promote christianity uh into the world now you said uh uh dr gary habermas is an expert on the resurrection how does that fit in with with your ministry and then the uh and then the commissioning of this sculpture how do you how do you see all of those coming together well gary um is certainly considered the, the leading expert for the resurrection, but certainly uh, expert on uh, Jesus in particular. He's, as a matter of fact, he's writing his, his magnum opus right now, a 5,000 page volume uh, <laughs> on the resurrection. And I hope, Gary, would you please hurry up and finish that? I'm dying <laughs> to read it. Uh, it's you- hard, it's hard. I'm writing my book and it's hard, so you <laughs> But he's been a he's been a big help to me uh, in terms of being a, an apologist because he's brought up a lot of points that, of course, that I didn't know. One of which is the is the fact that only a year or two after the, the cross, you know, Christians were reciting various creeds, which basically explain exactly what they thought happened, what they believed that some of, of course, a lot of them actually were witnesses to. And they wanted, to, since there was nothing written down, um, then they had to just be able to recite it, as in like 
like in spoken word or certainly the most famous creed as a Methodist when I was growing up as a Methodist, we always recited, uh, I guess every Methodist congregation does the Apostles' Creed. Right. And um, so, but Gary shed a lot of light uh, for me on things like that, things that are, um, that are good proof of, of the fact that Jesus was, was a real person and the fact that, that he, that he died and, and, um, and was brought back to life. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you, I want to go back to one other topic too, that you mentioned, which is the shroud, uh, how controversial the shroud is and that there definitely seems to be at least two major camps. Uh, there are the, uh, the shroudies, I guess, that believe that it, there's uh, with a very high probability that it is authentic, the authentic burial cloth of Jesus. And then there's the, uh, the anti, or the, the, I guess the anti-shroudists that believe that, no, that's definitely not in the carbon-14 dating and a handful of other things are proof that it's not. And then uh, I guess there's maybe a third group, and a friend of mine is that way. She's Christian, and yet she says, well, I'm really not that sure that it is. And so her probability is maybe down in the 5 or 10%, whereas you know mine might be in the 90, 95, 99% of it being authentic. How do you, how do you kind of see that? Let's, let's back up to when in the um, Western Europe, when the shroud emerged, because the shroud's always been controversial. You know, the carbon-14 dating happened in 1988, and that certainly damaged the shroud's reputation uh, in a big way. And, but the shroud was controversial from, the, from really the beginning. Now, you have written a fascinating book that I think is groundbreaking to type, try to imagine what happened from 2,000 years ago to when the shroud emerged in Western Europe. And that's very important. And uh, it's something that skeptics bring up all the time. Well, what, 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 where was the shroud for 1,200 years before the emergence in France or wherever it was? Um, but getting back to my point, when the shroud emerged in Western Europe, it was immediately denounced by, by a few people as being, um, as being fake. So it's always been controversial. Now, one thing that's not talked about enough is STIRP, and, and STIRP is an acronym. They put a U in there to make it easy to pronounce, but it's the Shroud of Turin Research Project. And so somehow they were, the, the 33 American scientists were able to invite themselves over to Turin, Italy, and were able to examine the Shroud for how many days was it straight? 120 hours, five days straight. Straight, um, you know, include, you, so, so they had night shifts or whatever, but they had a shipping container taken over of scientific tools. Um, and they every test that could possibly be that they could put on the shroud was done back in the 70s. Was it 1978? Yep. And um, their, their intent was to was to figure out how in the world that image got on that cloth. And they came back with a lot more questions than they than they went over there with. And the answer is, is that it is totally, completely unexplainable. They did rule out the fact that some people think that there was a, an artist that did it in France, because it would be really easy to essentially to, to tell whether that happened or not, whether it had been painted on or whether there would have been some other method of, of getting the image on there. Most people that have done a deep dive into the, 
the image itself just by looking at pictures can sense that 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 is very very far-fetched i don't personally have enough faith to believe that a man can create the image that's on that on that cloth it seems it seems ridiculous but the carbon 14 dating in 1988 um honestly it was a sham and a lot of people don't know that and don't want to know that they just saw the results heard the results on the radio or on the television or whatever and go oh that 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 proves that it that it wasn't um that it wasn't authentic i think a lot of people that are christian that that are on the rolls of a church somewhere are inclined even if they say they believe in in jesus christ as their lord and savior for whatever reason they're turned off by an image of him they don't think for, for some reason that god might leave a receipt uh russ Briot likes to call it a receipt <laughs> yep i think that's a great way to describe what what god did but let's face it in terms of controversy in general we belong to us christians our faith is very controversial jesus christ was the most controversial man that ever walked this earth and our worldview in general if you want to go back and take a look at, at genesis and stuff our our worldview is very controversial so it's ironic to me that people would would um be dismissive in any way of the shroud uh, by calling it controversial when our faith is so controversial itself. And um, I think the idea that that an artist created the shroud is honestly, um, I, I think it's incredibly far-fetched. And I don't think it's far-fetched that God would leave us a receipt for the resurrection. Yeah, especially when it is the, it is the core of Christianity. Without resurrection, there is no Christianity. And, uh, you know, and that, that is how important it is. And, and to your point about Russ's uh, leaving a receipt, I really, I like the imagery that that, 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 that that brings because Jesus paid for us with his life and then he left the shroud as the, as a, here's the receipt that he paid for it. So I, I really like that, that imagery well, that comes up of, with that. There are a lot of people in the, you know, the Christian faith is, is obviously quite large. It's the biggest religion in the world. And there are people that believe that the, um, that the resurrection was metaphorical. They don't believe necessarily in a bodily resurrection. And I think it was Paul that said, you know, if, if Christ didn't rise, really rise, then we've got no hope whatsoever. And um, I certainly uh, believe that. But then when you, when what my sculpture has done, and I've seen just in the few people that have seen it, is it, it's such an in your face kind of thing that it's, that it's just hard to deny and mm. that um that there'll be a there'll be a, obviously some people that see it and, and are are turned off by it i think most people are going to look at it and go wow this is this is so powerful because there's just no way to deny uh what happened when you look yeah. at uh, if you look at the injuries well and and to your point as well i mean and you're right i've seen the videos of it and and it, it is incredibly impressive and and uh you know and you, you can feel the pain that he suffered with the 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 scourging and then the crown or cap of thorns and the and the nails going through the the hands or wrists and the feet 
um, you know, you can just, you can just feel that, that pain there. Sure, and yet on the other hand, that is such a, an important image because that is, you know, that was his payment. You know, that's how he paid for, uh, you know, for our sins so that uh, through that pain and then through the resurrection. He was the ransom. Um, but when you look at the, the sculpture, you know, two thoughts go through your head. At least they go through mine. One is, um, is a bunch of anger at what they did to him because he was he was brutally executed beaten to death and the other is is this this amazing grace that of what he did for us and it's just really it's overpowering to think about it and the, and what's so powerful about the sculpture what's so important about the sculpture and i think about the ministry that i've created is there's no way of getting around it when you see him mm -hmm. when you see well, and I think you, uh, in the sculpture, you have captured that grace, uh, you know, especially in the face, um, you know, and when, when you look at that, it's, it, it, it's just, you, I don't know, and sometimes to me, my mind can't even comprehend, because, you, you know, you look at the face and the body, and you look at the suffering uh, that he went through, and then on the other hand, the, the joy that we have that he was resurrected. And it's kind of the, the two the two sides of the coin there in that in that receipt uh, that he he paid the you know paid for us. You know I can't wait to to show the audience your audience. Um, you've got a, uh, an incredible podcast here, and I'm excited to sh to actually show them the um, the sculpture and show and we'll also show some of the other items in the exhibit. And I hope that that some people will will see the uh, the podcast and want to and want to have it at their church. Yeah, I think, I think so. I hope so. Uh, so um, uh, one last question. So what do you think is the next big thing uh, for, for the sculpture, for the shroud, for us shroudies? What do you think is the next big thing? I would like to train an army, a small army of, <laughs> of people um, that want to uh, show the sculpture to as many people as they can um, and make a career out of it. And so I've got the ability to make copies mm. of the sculpture. And I've certainly got the ability to train people as to how to be, um, to how to create a mobile exhibit. There's only, I can only be in one place at a time. And I think that it's very, very important to, to get the story out. Obviously the shroud is, um, one of the most talked about and studied Christian artifacts in the world, but there's still so much to be done. There's still so much, um, honestly, disinformation to debunk because the, the carbon 14 testing has been debunked, but nobody, nobody knows that yet. Yeah. I mean, the Marino's book is, uh, is fascinating. It's 800 pages. Nobody, uh, I say nobody, I've certainly bought the book and I'm, and I'm going through it, but, 800 pages is a lot of info. Uh, I'll just tell the the audience right now that the carbon 14 testing was was bogus. It's not accurate, and there are a bunch of different reasons for that. So don't let that um, controversy, if you want to call it that, keep you from uh, digging a little bit deeper. And we want to help people dig deeper, and we want yeah. to help people grow their faith, and we hope to 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 strengthen the faith of of some people that are sitting on the fence and, um, and maybe convert some, some, some people who are secular. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. one, if I help one person through the sculpture, get to heaven, 
then um, I'll be thrilled. <laughs> well, I'm all there to support you. That's for sure. I just so, really appreciate you having me on the on the show. Yeah. Because to be considered uh, in the same league, in a, in a sense, as uh, as Barry Schwartz, as Russ Brealt, as, <laughs> uh, as Joe Marino, that's um, that's very very exciting and important to me. I think it's going to be very helpful to my ministry. Oh, so I. I, I yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I think you're right. And when what you've already accomplished is uh, so much and what you've uh, and the time and the effort and the money and the whatever that you've invested into what you've done and and then your vision for the future, I think I think it's going to help out all of us, not just in terms of promoting the shroud, but that's really a minor uh, a minor piece of promoting Jesus Christ as our savior and uh, and redeemer. So books need to be moving. Yeah. So that's my yeah. intent. Yep, absolutely. Well, with that, uh, uh, Matt, I really, really want to thank you. And uh, um, we are, we, you are in the process of putting together some uh, ways to reach out to you at the moment. Uh, for this one, if you would go to guypowell.com and we'll uh, figure out a way to get a, a connection over to over to Matt so that you can find out more about his sculpture and about his ministry and some of the really awesome things that he's doing. And so with that, uh, thank you again, Matt. And otherwise, please stay tuned for many other videos in this series of the backstory on the Shroud of Turin. Please visit guypowell.com for more information on Matt and his sculpture. And if you like this podcast, please rate it with five stars. I'm loving the book, by the way, Guy, and thanks again. Thank you. I'm glad you got a chance to uh, read one of the early copies. It's getting close. It's getting close. <laughs> <laughs>